ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once more to the Honest Bicycle Program. This is Greg, and before we get started on this episode, I wanted to tell you a couple quick things about it. First of all, we are sponsored by Health IQ this week. All right, so what is Health IQ? Well, Health IQ is a way for you as an active and health-conscious person to save money on your life insurance. All right, so I figure that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like riding your bike. You're probably a pretty active cyclist. Good odds of that, anyway. All right, and what you might not realize is that as an active cyclist, you can qualify for a special rate on your life insurance through your active and health-conscious lifestyle. All right, avid cyclists have a lower cancer risk, a lower heart disease risk, a lower risk of early death than the rest of the population, and Health IQ has used that data to fight for lower rates for people who fall into that category, back to people. This also covers runners, people like that, anyone who's like an active and health conscious. So if you want to learn more, why don't you go on over and get a free quote at healthiq.com slash honestbicycle. All right. And uh, I would ask if you'd like the show, if you want to support us, even if you don't intend to buy life insurance, even if you decide it's not for you, go go and check it out. Uh, it helps them know where their potential customers are coming from, and that helps them know that it's worth buying advertising at uh, the Wide Angle Podium Network and on, on a bicycle program in particular. So, so head on over to healthiq.com slash bicycle and thanks to them for sponsoring us and the Wide Angle Podium. Okay, next. Um, this, as you might have noticed, is episode number 68, but we released episode number 69 with our last episode. And that might seem kind of odd. Well, here's what happened, okay? Francis and I got together on Halloween night to record an episode, tried to do a live episode, and... It ended up causing a lot of problems with the audio, and it was like, okay, this is going to take a lot of work to fix. So in the meantime, me and Mario got together and released the latest episode, but this one was still there, and I really want to get it to you because I think there is stuff worth listening to there. Um, just be prepared for the quality to not be great. I, I had to do some tricks, all right? You might not always be able to hear what Francis is saying. Um, this was frustrating during the experience as well, but uh, I just wanted to warn you about that. But nonetheless, here it is. And thank you very much for listening, and we'll, we'll catch up to you soon. We're going to have stuff from CycleSmart International UCI Cross Race in Northampton. We're going to talk about that. We have uh, all kinds of good things still coming down the pipe for you. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again soon. So without further ado, here's me and Francis on Halloween night. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and germs, welcome to... The, uh, the Honest Bicycle Program Halloween Spooktacular. Ooh, Ooh harmonized. Yeah, we harmonized that. I didn't even notice that you were doing that with me. Oh, yeah, we totally harmonized That's that. That's good. I did it I so quickly that. you didn't even notice. <laughs> that's what they say that's what they say about harmony so good i didn't notice that's what they say about the beach boys that's also uh, what the harmonies that anyway uh right <laughs> what was that your internets did a thing oh that's also what your mom said last night which i don't think gives me any points if it was so good oh, i didn't even notice ouch i was that that hurts. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I suppose that it being our spooktacular Halloween special, we should introduce ourselves with spooky uh, names. So I'm Gr- Greg Ghost. 
three Colby and joining me from across the internets is Francis Morgison. No, no, Frankenstein like, Morgan. Like oh, that's better. <laughs> All right. Well, nice to have you. Nice to have you with us, Francis. You mean Frankenstein? Uh, we're, we're. Oh right, yes, Frank Frankenstein. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, my mistake. Anyway, uh, so let's get going on um, the thing. Uh, so, oh boy, where do we even start? It's been a little bit because uh, I was away. Uh, I, I want to start by telling everybody that. We are coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network. We usually leave that to the end. I want to start with that uh, because it's a wonderful uh, network of fine podcasts. One of those fine podcasts, speaking of which, is Crosshairs Radio. I mention this because friend of the show, Dan Shabanoff, was on Crosshairs Radio recently. It was Dan Shabanoff and Bill Shotkin and uh, Dan LeGuard. I'm sorry, other Dan for getting wrong. Anyway, it was them three in a bottle of bourbon. Uh, and it was a great, great episode. And not just because uh, Dan Shabanoff, fr friend of the show, I think I said, Dan Shabanoff, uh, gave us a shout out, which was very appreciated. So if you've come over, because Dan said to, uh, welcome, welcome. We hope you'll be comfortable. Pull up a seat. Um, be careful of that when it has cobwebs on it, because it's the Halloween episode. It might also have a corpse on it. So, you know, it might be a trap. I'm, I'm moderately concerned as we're recording this that this live thing is causing us internet garbles. Serious internet uh, And making it difficult for us to hear each other. Is that a thing that's happening? It, I don't hear any garbles. Yes? I, I don't think, I don't hear any garbles. Oh, okay. Just delay. Okay. Just a delay. All right, we're just gonna have to talk really slowly. There's going to be pregnant because problems. Halloween. <laughs> yes, Teen pregnant pauses, pregnant which is pauses. Uh, really you should be using some kind of pause protection uh, because you don't want that to happen. It could really mess up your life. Okay. Uh, all right. Yes. Yeah, speaking of a uh, friend of the show, Dan Shabanoff, uh, I did. I. So I had gotten back from Europe, like, was, uh, I guess a couple Saturdays ago now, and I was feeling surprisingly energetic, so I dashed out to Gloucester. I think I spotted Dan, uh, and I should have come over and said hello, and I didn't, because uh, it would have been nice to get some juicy sound bites, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, that didn't happen. But uh, maybe we'll, uh, Dan, if you're listening, maybe we'll track you down at uh, Northampton. I'll be, I'll be coming out Sunday. So, well, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. I don't know we're, uh, what we're planning on. It's, I swear. Don't worry. We're not going to abduct you and ransom you. Yes, <laughs> you should definitely not be afraid of that happening uh, because it's totally fine and we're totally normal <laughs> and not creepy at all. This is totally true. <laughs> Totally true. This is, uh, we're doing a good job here. All right, anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So Hall Halloween's coming. Uh, how about that? 
doing doing anything special? I, I hear it's your favorite holiday, Francis. Halloween is my favorite holiday, and I really, really wanted to throw in another your mom joke there, but I restrained myself um, for our fellow listeners, even though that is what I hear that they actually want, is more of my ridiculous debauchery. Um, but regardless, Halloween is my favorite holiday. Um, I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe it's because, uh, as we said in the Bike Ridge office today, that is, you know, some people's festivus. Halloween is my festivus. It's time when... You have good biking, you have cyclocross, you can put stupid decorations up on your porch to scare children, though that's not quite as effective as I think you live in the middle of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I think you mean spooky decorations. Did I say stupid decorations? Oh, did you say, I thought you did say stupid. Did you say spooky? No, I said stupid. I mean stupid. No, no, no. Oh, all right. Well, fine. Stupid fine. and spooky. Both. Stupid and spooky. <laughs> stupidly spooky. Stupidly spooky. I'm sorry for splitting hairs. Yeah, stupidly spooky. Go on. But my main goal with putting out decorations is to set traps for small children because ideally I want to make one of them pee their pants and cry when they're trying to get candy from my front door. Oh wow. That's uh that's a little dark. Yeah, we go extreme here. We go extreme. We want we want <laughs> we want all or nothing here. We don't want like a little haha you got me. I want Terror. I want pee your pants on my porch, terror. But don't really pee your pants. I don't want. I don't want to have to hose off my front porch. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yep. yep. Uh, okay. So, how do you plan on making this happen? I mean, aren't you kind of out in the sticks? Yeah. So my bit? problem is that now that I live out in the sticks, uh, it's uh, kind of hard to get trick or treaters to come to your door because I live in a big spooky house <laughs> that has no neighbors. So to come walk all the way down to my house would be a pretty epic feat if you, you know, unsure of what sort of goodies you're going to get from said house. So my plan right now is to plant a bunch of signs luring people to my house, like king-size candy bars here, and, you know, other things that lure young children to your house. God, I sound like the Wicked Witch of the West here. Um, I just want to scare little <laughs> you children. You did a little bit. <laughs> I just want to scare them. I don't want to do anything else to them. I just want to scare them. Um, but... Yeah, it's kind of harder to, uh, I've had zero trick-or-treaters the past two years, which is a bummer. So, uh, yeah, my plan is to, like, maybe put signs with, like, I don't know, like, free game system, this way, um, pizza, king-size candy bars, and then <laughs> set a bunch of spooky traps to scare the crap out of them. But, I mean, I'm not totally heartless. I will pay out. Like, if I put signs saying I'm going to have pizza and candy bars, I will have pizza and candy bars if you actually trek to my house. Okay, all right. You might not want to advertise the game system then, unless you're planning on, like, you know, PS3 sweepstakes giveaway. Yeah, maybe, like, <laughs> you enter into a raffle. Like, your house. If you cry the most, you'll get a raffle for a game. I, I don't know. I'm really just spitballing here. Uh, yeah, there's a, certain, there's a certain justice in that. It's like, you'll cry, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> Like, well, gee, I think that uh, I think I'm probably not going to do any of that stuff. I'm not very good at Halloween because Halloween requires planning, and I am not very good at planning. I don't even have uh, honestly. I don't even have a costume. Like, there's a there's a costume race coming up next weekend, and I got nothing. Like, I'm not signed up for it, which is good because that would be a problem. Because, uh, like, seriously, 
I'm not sure. I think I would have to do like sexy lumberjack or something. Ooh. And I think I did that like the last time I went to a Halloween party that like you threw. And that was a while ago. That must have been a really long Also, that was not a good costume, let's be real. Sexy Lumberjack? Yeah, that was... Well, something. I mean, I don't know. I think I was just unsexy Lumberjack, actually. <laughs> Regular Lumberjack. I think, my, I think I wasn't wearing, like, tiny shorts. At least I don't remember. Yeah, so, I don't know. It, it, it was a while ago. It was like your friend Marie was dressed up as Lara Croft or something. Oh yeah, was, I remember uh, that. I was dressed up as a uh, the olden days. Evil. Yep. Oh yeah, the old college days. You you realize this was almost a decade ago now? Isn't that horrifying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. We're old. It's a little horrifying. <laughs> Hashtag old. I had uh, that realization in the shower the other day, well, and know. I was briefly horrified. <laughs> I you did what? I'm sorry. I had that realization in the shower the other day and was briefly horrified. That's a that's a peculiar place to have that realization. I think. I don't really want to. I don't know that I really want to pry. <laughs> well, you're not like you know washing your hair and like do 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 do, and then you're like, good God, I'm thirty. <laughs> you're not though. Well, I mean, I, I was. You're like turning. I'm, 28. I'm pretending I'm you in this scenario, Greg. <laughs> ow, ow, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 29. Uh, to be honest, 29 was a lot worse than 30. Really? Oh, oh 29, sorry. I'm turning 29. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, uh... oh, that's right. That makes more sense than turning 28, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, 29 was worse. By the time I was 30, by the time I was 30, I'd gotten resigned to it. But 29, I was just like, Ugh, I am not resigned yeah, to it yet. Uh, <laughs> it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's really not that big a deal. <laughs> it's not even old anymore. Uh, anyway, maybe we should talk about, uh, I don't know, bike stuff. Bikes? Because that's what this, is, this podcast is about, is bikes. Uh, I mean, supposedly, <laughs> you know, I've heard rumors uh, about uh, bikes. right. So yeah, I, I was, what? I've heard rumors. It's about bikes. Oh, well, good. I mean, you are on the podcast. We're getting to some significant delay from this Mixler thing, but yeah. we're going to try and keep working with it. We're going to power through. It's just, you're going to get really comfortable with oh, awkward having... pauses. That's the whole point of this, actually, is we're desensitizing you to awkward pauses. So we're really just doing you a solid. Keep listening. Yeah. Yeah, pauses and crosstalk, pretty much, is uh, going to be the name of the game. Uh, all right, so actually what I'm going to try and do is, uh, maybe if I do that, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, wait. Hang on. I'm doing a thing. This, we will edit this out. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so let's, uh, can, can you still hear me? That's the question. Yes. No? Yes? Yes. Oh, I couldn't hear you. That was the problem. Can you hear me now? Anyway, back to talking. 
Yeah, I can hear you. You didn't do you didn't do anything. I I was messing with things. It was not it was not wise. Uh, right. Um, hello, four listeners. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to talk about some bike things now. So, right, as as you know, uh, I was overseas somewhat, and I don't know. There are a few things to cover there, if you would like. I went to Ronsa. Is that a some sort of a cyclocross race, I've heard? It is a cyclocross race, yes. Yes, it is part tell us, of the... Tell us about these cyclocrossings. Uh, I should probably look this up. Well, yeah, it's it's one of them big pro Belgian races. It's part of the DVV something trophy. Uh, DVV, by the way, is how the Belgians say DVV. Um, they they're kind of big on the uh, the A sounds for their letters. Um, I mean, that's the name of the letter. Anyway, that's the that's the, it's, it's I don't know some kind of company whatever. It's a sponsor. It used to be the B Post Bank Trophy, and now it's the DVV Trophy. Um, because see, I learned a lot about uh, Dutch diphthongs while I was overseas. Uh, it turns out they are very misleading to an English speaker. Uh, in, when you see two e's, it is not pronounced as uh, two e's would be pronounced in English. This is just a heads up for those of you who might be wondering. Uh, it is it is a different sound. So uh, I learned a lot about how to pronounce the. Dutch words that I see when I go to cyclocross streams. So that was the first thing. That was very informative. Awesome. Yes, I actually went there. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. If you remember, um, if, if you've ever seen Ronsa, this is one of the early season races, and it takes place basically kind of down in uh, the Flemish Ardennes. It's actually just uh, you get on the train – from Ghent, which is where we were staying, and you head on south, and you go through Oudenarde, which is a town that the Tour of Flanders, the road race, goes through. Uh, on the outskirts of Oudenarde is the very famous Kopenberg, um, which is also the site, of course, of a pretty famous cross race that's going to be taking place in November. Uh, I guess I'm going to circle back around to Kopenberg Cross and just locations and stuff so you're going by uh places that are kind of thick in the i don't know the story of flemish bike racing right they're places that you've probably heard of if you follow this stuff and rosa takes place basically in a field on the sides on the side of like a giant hill with a fantastic view north where you can pretty much see all the way to ghent um which is Pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, pretty neat. So, I am going to continue the story once I mess with the audio settings a bit to see if uh, it's, it's on. Maybe it's on now. Um, can people hear me now? Testing. Testing one, two, three. I feel like we just have like silent stalkers over here. It's like oh, we have these three people listening, and they're just silent with their pants off. Whoa! <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, boy. I... How, how else do you listen to podcasts, Greg? <laughs> well, I usually listen to them at work, where having one's pants off is frowned upon. Where do you so... work? <laughs> 
That's not so good. Well, I, I hit the, the little the little um, uh, headphone button was highlighted off or unhighlighted, one might say, uh, and now for, for the built-in microphone, and now it is highlighted on, which sort of suggests that the audio should be working. So we're, we're just going to... Uh, we're going to give it a shot. So, so you okay. highlighted it? Ronsa, I was saying you get on the train. Fuck. Y- yes. There was a little button that I clicked. There's a little button that I clicked, and uh, it, it seems okay now. I don't know. I, I have no way really of verifying this, uh, at least not easily. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, oh, I can go to low quality. How about that? Yeah, it's too... Oh, wait, no, I can't. Yeah, you can. Zing. All right, anyway. (laughs) This is a fascinating, fascinating show. No one has commented on my audio? Uh, I mean, like, I'm watching the Twitter stream, and I got one person that's saying your audio was off, and I'm asking them if there is audio now, and I have not gotten a response. I am waiting... With bated breath on the oh, end of my well, seat. Oh, well, I... Bated is how I generally keep my breath. Uh, let's see. Nope. We got one that says, still just Francis. Oh, no. So that means I should talk how more. How is this so complicated? Oh, God. Yes, you should talk to fill the dead air I as I mess with things. I'm just talk over Greg. Oh, I don't want completely. audio latency. I want no latency. Oh, God. Now I have to oh. fill dead air. Yeah. <laughs> Keep doing that. Okay. I can hear myself, and I don't know why. I can hear you. So I don't know why pretty like, people weird. can't also. Um, can turn that off. Oh, God, why? That. God, why? It's just me. On the radio, alone. Wait. No pants. Wait, am I am I working now? I don't know. Am I audible? Can't. Cause that see what you're that doing. would be helpful. Wait, maybe. Ah. Oh yes, yes. Yes, successful. Victory. Victory. Ah, uh, the uh, problem. Um. Is I this is so strange. All right, I'm just gonna deal. Uh, I'm gonna try and turn down my. Well, I want people to be able to hear me, but I'm gonna turn it down a little bit. So, is see, the thing is, I now me? have like a monitor effect going, and I'm hearing my voice in my ears. Oh god! And I do not love it, but. Um, I also am not certain if I'm reducing the volume for the listeners. I assume I probably am, so I should probably not mess with that too much. So, all right, I'm just going to learn how to deal with it, even though I'm now hearing myself in my ears, and it's freaking me out, man. All right. So you're telling us about um, the motherland. I was, yes, the motherland. The motherland, if your mother is... High gravity beers and delicious Liege style waffles. Um, which, I mean, that's a mother that pretty much any person could love. Yeah, uh, mother fig- sounds delicious. Fig- figurative mother. 
so I was talking about Ronsa, or um, as the very excited announcers would say, um, Ronsa, uh, essentially, because they like to roll their R's. So you get on the train, and you head south from Ghent, and you end up going essentially through Flemish bike racing country the entire time. And as I mentioned before, you pass through Oudenarde, which is a stopover for the Tour of Flanders. The outskirts of Oudenarde include the Kopenberg, uh, which of course is a very famous climb in that race. It's also the site of the Kopenberg Cross. And in general, as you're on the train, uh, it's kind of amazing if you have some familiarity with the European or I, I suppose Belgian cyclocross races that happen because I'm looking at the name of the stops on this train line and yeah it has things like well Copenberg isn't a stop but it's there and one of the stops is Aspar Gavera which is another pretty well-known bike race in, I don't remember if that one's a super prestige or also in the Dave Vey Trophy series. Um, but it, yeah, all these races, it's been said that they're really close together and that really gets driven home when you're on the train, literally going by the stops for these races. That was pretty crazy. Those lucky bastards, whereas we have to fly and travel all over the place to get cyclocross races. Though, I suppose I should not really talk since I live in New England, which is kind of the cyclocross mecca, not to mention the UCI cyclocross mecca uh, of the United States. Yeah, especially when you extend that to sort of the greater Northeast, because then you get to take in not only the New England UCI races, but then you can be... You know, you can count your, um, arguably, your Charm City and DCCX and your New Jersey race, I think, is HPCX. And you've got Supercross in New York. You've got the Nittany Classic in Pennsylvania, you know. So it really is it really is like that up there in terms of how close the races are. I mean, by up there, I mean in Belgium and in the particularly in this region of Belgium and I believe that it's um, West Flanders that we're in. I, you know, you'd think I was there for four days and I would know, but I mean, you know, I was there was a lot going on. So the race itself, Ronsa, is as mentioned, and as you'd guess, because I went there a couple weekends ago. Early season race. It takes place, as I mentioned before, on basically the side of this giant hill. It's a cow field, basically, with a bunch of neat features. I mean, first of all, there is this natural arena sort of in the middle of the hill, and that's kind of where the best view is um, because the race will circle around and drop down into this arena multiple times, and you can see a lot of the features at once, and then you can also see the jumbotrons that they've set up. So it's pretty spectacular. This also includes the kind of signature run-up of the race. And I, ha I have to say, this is where you really 
when you're there, begin to get an idea of how insane these races actually are. Because this course is impossible. Like, it, it seriously seems impossible. Just because of how steep it is? Yeah, and just how it repeatedly hits you with these nasty, steep climbs on what is an extremely bumpy field. Like, it is it is not smooth. Uh, it is quite bouncy. And it's a cow field. And this is a race where... You know, it's Belgium. When we went, the weather was beautiful, but it's been a rainy slop fest before. And yeah, Belgium is not known for its uh, fancy schmancy weather. Yeah, and well, I mean, I stepped in a cow pie at one point. <laughs> and I, a I real know, cow when pie? I've seen footage, you know, when I've seen recordings of this race in rainy weather, it is like. It's like 75% cow poop that they're riding through. You know, that's how disgusting. down east uh, the used-to-be UCI race in Maine was. It was basically mm-hmm. they had the race in a cow pasture. And yeah. you were essentially riding through just straight cow poop. <laughs> that's disgusting. I mean, it was what it was. I do hear there were maybe a few uh, ill-fated uh, parasites. Um, yeah. But- came about because of that race. Um, but yeah, that's what you get for riding through Capu. Yeah, I, I guess so. So fortunately, the weather was beautiful. It was actually, like in the sun in particular, pretty nice. So that wasn't a problem. It was it was mild and, and really pretty pleasant and sunny. Uh, but yeah, so you look at this thing, if you go and find a stream or a recording of a previous edition of Ronsa and you look at it, you'll think, okay, this looks really hard. Like there is a bunch of hills and this run up is nasty. And so I was prepared for it to be pretty like, wow, this is hard. And then you get there and you, it feels like this run up is on a 45 degree slope and it is unbelievably long and steep. This course is, it is seriously insane. It's so hard. Uh, and you, you come out, you do the start, the start goes up this brutal, uh, paved climb that's, it's, I'd say false flat, but it is a noticeable climb. It, it turns down and you kind of heads up to the side of the hill, uh, goes up a climb, goes down, goes up another climb, does this crazy steep off camber, um, section comes back down, does another crazy off-camber section, goes off and does a bunch of climbing. All right, goes, uh, kind of does the long drag, the long way up the hill. Then it drops into the arena again, goes around this cow pond, loops back and goes up the run-up. And it's just impossible to describe. I don't know what to say. It, It really is like, this is a different kind of, Level Like, I just did uh, this past weekend race in Massachusetts, the Fruitlands Cup. It takes place at the Fruitlands Museum, which is, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, which is probably most people, I guess, the site of a failed transcendentalist commune in the 19th century. It was Wait, like that's what that Louisa- place was? Huh? That's what that place was? Yeah. Oh. 
Interesting. Yeah. And now it's a, you know, it's a museum to, I don't know, transcendentalism and um, maybe local Native American culture and stuff like that. Um, and so that's an infamously, this is a pretty new race and it's an infamously hilly race and it's hard because this is on the side of a hill and it's a bumpy field, but Ronsa, so, and, and I did this race last year and I was physically destroyed. I thought, well, nothing could ever be that hard. I went to Ronsa and was like, oh man, <laughs> I am actually really glad that I've done Fruitlands and not this. Um, it is it just it seems like okay i could i could do a lap and then i'd be like all right that's enough that's enough of that you just don't get run ups like that in american cyclists it really is a uh, a course for pros so does so, that make you want to race that course or does it make you want to be like ooh man glad i'm not doing that um more the latter i'd like to ride it and the thing is, I, I feel pretty good about my ability to ride it and not fall down too badly on a dry day. But if it's muddy, these off-cambers are really steep. <laughs> and, and the speeds you're going, I, oh man, it is crazy. I, it is really hard to imagine doing that, like in the kind of conditions... This past weekend, we did this Fruitlands race in the rain, and it was pretty wet and muddy. But while there was climbing, you know, there were a couple little run-up sections, but they're short. Um, <coughs> and so the fact that we had to run a couple things wasn't a big deal. But it's like this, you know, doing like an 80-meter run-up in the mud, like, oh. Yeah, and that's, yeah, and that's to say gorgeous. nothing of just staying upright on the kind of off camber and bumpy descent sections, which like I said, I'm sure they're hard um, when you're racing, like, you know, you're, you're going, you're doing these as fast as you can. So even when they're dry, they're going to be hard, but they'd be pretty much unrideable for a normal human. I feel like if it were muddy, so no, it, it didn't make me, like, oh, yeah, I totally want to have races on a course like this. Maybe like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm happy with leaving this to the pros for the most part. Indeed. Yeah, it was work not to fall down the hill just standing there. It was crazy. But it was a lot of fun. One thing that was pretty interesting, I thought, was, um, you know how... American UCI races feel a little bit, I don't know, low budget and kind of scrappy. Yeah, I mean, some can, sure. Well, I, I think they kind of do, right? Um, you get a lot of that same feel at a race like this in Belgium. Like, it, it really is kind of like the local... I mean, it's weird because people are coming from as far away as, you know, the Netherlands, right? Which is... I don't know, a two and a half, three hour drive, maybe four hour drive, if that. Uh, so it's not that far. Uh, but people are coming from, I, I guess, that far. And, you know, they're super fans. They are like supporters groups that, you know, fan clubs that organize uh, basically buses to get 
the members of, say, the Kevin Powell Supporters Club to the race. And there's a lot more people there, and they're not they're not there to race, right? Like they're there to watch and to drink a beer and eat some frites. Yeah, it's, it's like our and, and just enjoy the day. Yeah, it's like how yeah. people in the U.S. go tailgating. Right. Yeah. But it, it definitely – it feels more like a county fair than um, than like an NFL game, you know? Yeah. I mean, most people aren't really outside in the muck and the slop in most of our sports as well. No, it, it's true. I mean, like, I don't know because it's just not a great comparison. It's just that you get – at least I get the impression, you know, from the way people talk about the professional cyclocross scene in Europe, like, oh, it's this big budget thing and it's all fancy and polished and stuff like that. And there's like a sense in which that's true. Um, you know, they've got multiple big screens and those screens show ads and there's a ton of um, vendors selling food and, you know, there's a some kind of big sponsoring brand and all that. But at the same time, it, it does have that very, like, I don't know. It's like a bunch of locals, you know, people going to like a demolition derby or something like <laughs> it has that kind of, uh, that kind of feel it's neat. It, it, it still feels kind of down home and cozy in a way. Like, even though it's serious business at the same time, like it, it's still, you can tell that it's not like road. Like it isn't so international and it isn't so big, uh, in the, in quite the same way. I don't know. If, I don't know if that makes sense, but you definitely, and it, you know, there's less money in cyclocross. That's why, um, Matthew Vanderpool has said, you know, that he's probably going to go to the road when his cross contract is up. That's why I think Wout is looking at that too. Like, you know, you can tell that there's not as much money, but anyway, it was really pretty neat experience. Awesome. That's definitely a trip I want to do at some point in my life, if not cyclocross career. Um, yeah. Be able to at least go there and see what the hubbub's all about and, I don't know if I'd want to race it at this point, but um, just because it seems so brutal. Um, but maybe. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, there might be. I don't know if there are any courses that are easier. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't think you go over there for an easy course, but you know, it's. Well, no. I've also heard it's a different um, fan atmosphere there too. You know, people are getting booed. You know, it's very different than the way that uh, American Cross is. Yeah, so this one there wasn't too much of that, I would say. Um, I and it might be because you know it's not the biggest race. It's um, you know it's obviously not the World Championships. It's obviously not a World Cup. It's not even like a, a Coxida or something or a Zonovan. But you know we're in Belgium. Uh, Matthew Vanderpoel is Dutch. And he had supporters kind of scatter all over the the course. And, you know, people were, when he was leading by a significant margin, like, people were giving him the golf clap, right? It's polite. <laughs> the um, golf clap. Well, it's true. It actually, 
like it's a joke like and if you watch this Ness videos it'll be like oh golf clap as leader goes by it's totally a thing it's so weird that's so like, uh, doing the golf clap seems so odd to me but it seems it seems odd it it does come across as very kind of polite though like it's like you're winning like we're gonna clap for you at least we're not gonna like just pretend you're not there and doing well but you know like Matthew Vanderpool will go by and he'll get like the Matthew you know and, and whatever and the golf clap um but then the group with Wout will come by and it's like Wout, you. you know so um the Wout much more out. excitement there for sure and when it became clear that uh Vanderpool had broken something on his bike and was running to the pit we were actually we had to get out to catch the shuttle in time so that we would get our like five thirty train and not have to wait for a seven thirty train. Um, so we we weren't able to watch the end of the elite men's race, but one of the we went through the course crossing and we uh, watched like well go by and like the news coming over from the announcer in Dutch that we didn't understand, <laughs> of course, but we got the gist that like something had happened to the leader and one of the guys who was um, watching the crossing looks over to the other guy on the other side of the crossing and goes, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so he was pleased to hear that a mishap had befallen uh, uh, young Mr. Vanderpool. So, oh, you know, <laughs> people aren't above having their favorites, that's for sure. But uh, I thought that it, people really seemed, they were fine. Like they weren't, people weren't being, um, jerks from what I could tell. That's, that's good. Uh, but I mean, like, you know, I feel like American sports, I mean, we're jerks. Yeah, that's true. I mean, not how we treat cyclocross racers. Cause I feel like that's so different, but you know, in our bigger sports, totally. Well, with the exception, I guess, of the hecklers, right? Who, I mean, it's the hecklers who don't get it. Yeah. The hecklers who are just, just there to get a rise out of people. Yeah, like the people who are like, oh, it's going to be really hilarious if I say something mean to this person who's racing. Yep. Like, yeah, that's, exactly. you're, you're a funny guy. Yep. That's always some dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was a really good experience. I'd recommend it. Um, that's a pretty good one to go to, honestly. Uh, it's relatively easy to get to. You pretty much get off the train, and they have shuttle buses. You can get there from Ghent, which is a good day trip to do anyway, um, or more than a day trip. We spent more than a day there. We did four days there. So that is highly more recommended. Than a day trip. That is a four-day trip, I would say. Yeah, well, a lot of people apparently just go for a day. Like um, either they're locals, you know, it's, I think a popular spot for locals to go. Um, for a day trip and also if you're like in Brussels for example people will do a day trip often to um, to Ghent you know if they don't do Bruges or something so and you know I get it because it's quieter there's I think there's a little bit less going on on than in a bigger city like Brussels but I really liked Ghent it's really beautiful when you get into the downtown like in the center of town um, it's got like four or five different Gothic churches, uh, including, 
of course, famously, uh, St. Bavos is where the, um, the Ghent altarpiece is kept, and we actually went and saw that, and that was pretty neat. There's a castle. There's a thousand-year-old castle just in the middle of town. That's pretty sick. I like castles. It's Oh, it's so sick. Oh, my God. You could do a tour, and we did, because, duh. Uh, <laughs> and you can go, and you walk through the castle and the various rooms. It's been you know restored, and... They've got various museum displays in there. There's like a torture museum in one of the rooms, which is kind of creepy. You can go up to the wall walk and walk around and, you know, snap selfies and whatever. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty great. So it's a good place to visit. It's it's nice and quiet, too. Like, you can kind of hang out down by the river. Um, and there's – it's not the most touristy place, but it's – you know, it's touristy enough if you want some of that stuff too. Like, there are definitely like vendors selling waffles and um, that kind of that kind of stuff. So, uh, we we both really liked Belgium. Actually, it was a really nice place to visit, and we were we were in um, Flanders the whole time, and uh, it was lovely. It was really lovely. People were very nice. That's excellent. Yes. And the food was delicious. Oh, I have to emphasize, if if you enjoy beer, it's not just that the beer is there, it's that the beer is cheap. Yeah, cheap beer. Like, I made a cheap beer, definitely. Oh, man. It'll be, okay, yeah. So your Chimay or um, West Molly, which is my favorite, things like that, you get... You know, you'll be at a restaurant and you're like, I think I'm going to have, yeah, a bottle of Chimay or whatever. You know, you're kind of normal. It's like 330 milliliter is the size that you get, which is basically 12 ounces, a little less. And um, it's like, yeah, that'll be four euros. It's crazy. Damn. And so here it's easily like. Easily become an alcoholic. <laughs> it is easily half the price. Um, that you pay here. And if you go into the store, it's even more ridiculous. Like if you go to just a normal grocery store that happens to sell beer, you can get these 330 milliliter bottles of, you know, West Molly Trappist. And it's like a euro and nine cents. Man. And it costs like a bazillion dollars here in the U S yeah, I believe it's approximately $800 a bottle uh, by my rough estimations to get the same thing here. And that was true everywhere we went, honestly. Like Amsterdam food was really cheap. Amsterdam is actually um, astonishingly inexpensive in most respects. Like it's pretty amazing. Uh, we were not expecting at all to come so heavily under budget while we were there we were only there for two days but it's it's the cost of food um and and such things in northern europe or at least where in that kind of section of it i don't i don't know about northern northern europe i don't know about like the you know the norse countries um or, uh, but yeah in belgium and the netherlands it's not that bad at all I assume it's because everyone pays gigantic income taxes. Um, but 
yeah, it's like even even going into a grocery store, it was like, wow, you can get a good loaf of bread for like a euro. It's crazy. I remember that from when I was in Spain. You just go into the grocery store and be like, why, yes, I will buy a bottle of wine for one euro. Yeah. Spain seems more obvious given that it's had like a um, – I feel like everyone knows about that one, right? Like especially because it's not had very good economic uh, situation lately. But, yeah, I mean, this was even before the economic collapse. Yeah, yeah, and so it's probably like even more so now. Um, but yeah, we were really surprised by that. It was a bit more expensive in France, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, we were just in Paris. I mean, you know, I'm sure it depends on where you are and things like that. And I've only been in essentially one city of each of these three countries, so I'm not going to pretend that I. I now understand the culture of all these places and can explain it to everyone. What? You so. spent one day in a city and you can't tell me every single thing about the country? I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. We did get to ride bikes in Amsterdam, and I'm really glad that we did, by the way. That sounds pretty so. sick. Yeah, I mean, I'd like yeah. to ride bikes in like Denmark or Amsterdam or a city that actually tolerates cyclists. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. Like you hear about it, you know, and I, it's like, Oh, they have cycle paths everywhere, cycle tracks, whatever, protected bike lanes, essentially. And they do. And, and some of them are like more protected than others, but it, it is really still a shock, like how pervasive it is when you get there. It's, it's wild. And there, there actually are a lot of places where, um, they're shared streets, but bikes have, some degree of priority and people are pretty careful. Um, and yeah, and everyone's riding the bike everywhere and it's amazing to the point that, so we rented bikes and rode around and it was just like not a care in the world. It's like, this is so easy. Like I don't have people trying to kill me all the time and you know, whatever, no big deal. And at one point I was like looking over my shoulder, talking to Jill and I think I swerved a bit. This was like, going along a canal in West Amsterdam somewhere. And this lady goes by and she's like, ah, guys, um, correctly identifying us as tourists who are just out cruising around having a good time. Uh, because I guess I'd swerved into her path a bit. And I said, sorry. And as she's like riding away, she yells over her shoulder. It's not a game here, guys, you know, (laughs) I was like, uh, okay. So, so I, it was bothering me that this woman had gotten so, I don't know, mad at me. I was like, oh, there I am, in the way, da-da-da. And it's like, yeah, okay, I guess I swerved into her path. Great, riding bikes is not a game. (laughs) It's very serious business. Well, we were like, man, why why was she so, like, grouchy about it? Uh, And what we actually settled on was, come to think of it for her, this was probably, like, a dangerous incident. You know, like, oh, someone on a bike swerved into my path and I almost crashed into him. Um, you know, hence the, this isn't a game kind of thing. And it's like, from my perspective, like that doesn't even register. <laughs> like it is a game. It totally is a game in Amsterdam. It's like, you're, you're not worried about anything. Like there's just not, the sensation is completely different. Like you're not on high alert compared to like riding in Boston where it's like, I have regular close calls with people in cars, you know, either cause they're not paying attention or cause you know, as happens with kind of horrifying frequency, people are 
um, deliberately threatening me with their vehicles. Yep. Right. The unfortunate truth uh, is the unfortunate truth. And it's like, yeah, I mean, this is actually not a big deal to me. Like, you know, so it's just like that cultural gap. And it's like, you know, this lady's riding away by then. I'm not going to like chase her down and be like, do you understand? Like I ride my bike to work and home every day in Boston, Massachusetts, in America. And, uh, actually it's kind of life or death out there sometimes (laughs) and a little crazy. And, uh, yeah, like I'm not going to have that conversation, right. It's it's not going to go well, but it was sort of like, well, you know, uh, sorry that I got in your way. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say it's perfect. There's this weird thing where um, scooters, you know, like Vespa type things are allowed to use the bike pass there. And it is obviously a terrible idea. Uh, It is pretty scary, Uh, especially because apparently the way the law works is these things are limited to 25 kilometers per hour or 30 kilometers per hour or something. But people apparently pretty routinely disable the limiters on them. And then they're like and just zooming blow by, by you. people hmm? and just blow by people. Yeah. And they'll blow by you. Like I'm not even kidding. Like 30, 40 miles per hour in the bike lane on their scooter. And it's like, Oh my God. So that is not such a good thing. <laughs> Cause that, that was a little bit like really guy, this seems like a bad idea. Uh, but otherwise, it's pretty great. Uh, it is kind of um, there are I don't know. There's like traffic rules, and it's serious business, and people are trying to get where they're going. And you know, if you're not moving very quickly, you really need to stay to the right and not get in people's way. And people pass pretty close by, like they're comfortable doing that. It's, I, I can see like there's a certain sense in which it could actually be fairly uncomfortable for someone who's doesn't do a lot of cycling, like especially in groups, because you're just constantly surrounded by people and you need to learn how to, how to handle that. So that aspect was kind of interesting. Like people will pass within, um, you know, a few inches of you as they go by. And they're not like ringing their bell the whole time because they're passing people all the time. Like the bell is like if someone is actively like potentially moving into their way or if they're emerging from another street, you know, it actually felt maybe feel really vindicated from all the times that I've passed someone on the bike path safely without like ringing my bell or saying on your left or something like that. We had like, a whole see, episode about this. completely impractical. Or at least partial episode about this. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like I've been chattering a lot about about things, and it's because I have been. It's uh, <laughs> all right. You had an exciting trip to the motherland of cyclocross. Yes. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, would do it again for sure. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else that we should uh, cover today? I think that without value here, we should maybe keep it briefer. Yeah, sounds good. Because we have things to talk about. Um, we should probably talk about road rules at some point. I'd like Matteo to be here for that. Um, I did want to do a quick update on my crazy bike fit. I went to a shorter stem. That's the update. Oh my God. Oh my God. The humanity. Yeah. I, I gave in to, uh, it, it didn't fit me right. So anyway, uh, yeah, I guess there's not a whole lot of spooky Halloween stuff going on. In this episode, after all, no, I nothing spooky actually. 
There's a costume race at um, Orchard Cross this weekend in New Hampshire. Are you going to that? Uh, I don't know. Perhaps. No definite plans yet, though. Uh, you should you should go and we'll eat cider donuts. It'll be great. Oh, I do love a good cider donut. <laughs> yeah. What what reasonable person wouldn't? Only crazy people and morons. Only crazy people. <laughs> and don't crazy morons. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone uh, the two of you listening live for bearing with us this is something we're experiment- experimenting with thank you for um, our non-live listeners too uh, by the way the stream is going to be closing down in like two and a half minutes so we might not have completely gotten through our goodbyes by that time so our, you know, please forgive us if it shuts off but I, I only have an hour a day of this right now until I decide if it's worth um, paying money for it. Yes, we're we're pretty cheap here. Cheap, but thanks for bearing with this experiment. Free. It's been tricky. Um, I'd love to keep doing it and see if we can see if we get more listeners. We'll see. Um, but I think it's a fun thing to do if we can make it work. For sure. For sure. Uh, so we've been coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network. I mentioned that at the beginning of the show, but I thought I'd make it a, mention it again. Head on over there. There's a whole lot of great podcasts, not just Crosshairs Radio, but also Kids Don't Follow, The Consummate Athlete, The Meyerson Line, um, Slow Ride Podcast, of course. If I'm leaving anything out, which I probably am, I apologize. Um, hey, you know, you can help us out if you enjoyed this show, if you enjoy the other shows on the network. Um, you can support the work we're doing, especially the real and kind of actual interesting stuff that say I'd say the slow ride podcast does I mean you know it's serious business being goofballs like that um, but you know in, in crosshairs radio where um, in the Meyerson line and the consummate athlete where they really put an effort into getting interesting people and and really providing informative and um, yeah really uh, insightful content unlike the nonsense that you get. <laughs> Unlike us. <laughs> Where we just yammer on for a while about various things, sometimes related to bicycles, sometimes not. Sometimes not. Especially especially today when it's like Greg talks about Belgium and it's like all me. And like, let's be honest, you're not here to listen to me most of the time. Um, <laughs> so sorry. Sorry this week. A little disappointing. I know. Uh, but yeah, head on over there, support the work that, uh, if you want, that we do support the work, certainly that everyone else does become a member. Um, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, it helps us do things like experiment with running a live podcasts and it helps us do things like we all have nice microphones now. Um, Ooh, thank you. Microphones. Thank you. Yeah, isn't it nice? Don't you like your microphone? I do. It's uh, round and white, and it has a black thing in front of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Best the black description thing of is, a thing ever. The, the black thing is very important. It is. Um, and that, yeah, that's, that's possible when you become a member um, and donate. So go to wideanglepodium.com slash donate. So, thank you all for listening very much. This has been the Honest Bicycle Program. I have been Greg. And I have been Francis. And uh, we'll catch you next time. 
Good night.